All right, we will say good morning. Let's begin. A beautiful daf today. Today is daf Chaf Gimel 23. We are picking up on Chaf Beis, on base 22b, with Amar Rav. So we'll say, just to orient ourselves, we're in the midst of a mind-blowing, riveting, exciting machlokis between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish, namely, regarding the nature of Ish. Regarding the nature of the liability of Aish, how do we understand one's liability for fire? So remember again, according to Rabbi Yochanan, he holds Isho Mishum Chitzav. Your fire is like your arrow. So, which, which is another way of saying your fire is your koach. Just like your chayev if you shoot the arrow. The mice again, that's called your koach, that's called your force. So, so too again, when you light a fire and that fire goes on and does damage, even though again, it's the, it's the wind that's going ahead and taking the fire, Nevertheless, Lamaisa, again, you are chayiv because that is your chayiv. That is your arish. Lakish says, Isho mishum mamono. No. What is your fire? Your fire is your ox. Your fire is like a shar. Your fire is like a pit. Your fire ultimately is your mamono. It's your possessions. It's your property that is doing damage. That's the fundamental machlokis. So yesterday we spent our time trying to understand the different nafkaminas between the two opinions. So now we're going to go back to Amir Rabbah. Rabbah says, there is a Pasik and a Braisa that supports the position of Rabbi Yochanan, namely that that your fire is like your arrow, that your fire is your koach. What, what's the Pasik? So the, the, the Pasik is, remember the Pasik says, if a fire will break out, if a fire will break out, so the Torah recognizes that what? That a fire often takes on an, a, a power of its own. So what happens? I light the fire. Remember, the, the, the paradigmatic case of Aish is I light a fire in my property, and then that fire gets away from me. The wind takes it, something else takes it, and ultimately, again, burns down my friend's field. So it says, Kiteitse Aish, Teitse Me Asma. There's a recognition that fire spreads on its own. So what does the Pasuk say? Yeshalim Hamavir Es Habeira. So ultimately, the Pasuk says, the Mavir, the one who kindled the fire, will go ahead and pay back damages to the Be'ira, to the one who has been scorched, to the one who has been burned. So what do you see from here? So says the Gemara, you see from here that the Torah calls the fire my fire. I'm the Mavir. I am the one. I'm the fire master. I'm the fire kindler. So the fact that the Torah calls the fire my fire indicates to us what? According to Rabbah, this is a support from Yochanan who holds Isha Mishum Chitzav. The fact that the Torah calls the fire my fire tells us that what? That fire is like my arrow. Fire is like my koach. That's the Mishnah. Shema, says the Pasuk. Shema mina Isha Mishum Chitzav. Learn from this Pasuk that my fire is an extension of my koach. It's my arrow. Mas Nisa, what's the Mishnah? What's the Mishnah that supports this? The Sanya, because we learned Pasuk HaKasuv, Tap of Chav Gimel, Beniske Mamono, Vesiyem Beniske Gufo. Now, the way the Pasuk, when talking about Ish, begins, the Pasuk begins by talking about Kiteitse Ish, Temashami Atzma. The Pasuk begins by talking about if an Ish, Kiteitse Ish, if the Ish leaves. The Torah, when referring to the Ish, sounds like Ish is what? My Mamon. Right? Sounds like my ox got away. So, so too, my fire got away. So, Vesiyem Beniske Gufo. But yet, interestingly enough, the Pasuk says that the Mavir, like we said before, But at the end of the Pasuk, the Torah makes me responsible ultimately for what? <coughs> for the damages of my age. But it doesn't just make me responsible in a monetary sense, makes me the owner of that age. 
To teach us ultimately again that when you kindle a fire, ultimately that fire is your arrow, that fire is your koach. So, so Rabbi comes along and brings the Pasuk as well as the Mishnah, which essentially are reflecting the same idea, namely that the Pasuk begins by referring to Eish sounding like its own autonomous entity, Kitetse Eish, the Eish gets away, but yet at the end of the Pasuk, Torah says, by calling me the Mavir, by calling me the Kindler, ultimately, again, the Gemara, Rava understands that the Gemara is telling me the Aish is mine. The Aish is my Koach. Therefore, says Rava, this is apart from Yochanan's position, namely, that that the Aish, the fire, ultimately is my arrow. So the Gemara says, Amar Rava, So Rava said, Abayi had the following question. What's his question? So according to the opinion who said that your ish is your arrow, your ish is your koach, Now we're going to learn this later on. There is a special, remember we learned in the beginning of this Masechta, that each of the Arba Avos Nazikin have their own, I'll call it like a better term, like peculiar aspect. The peculiar aspect of ish is that for Ish, you are putter on Tamun. Tamun means, we're both say the following, that if I, if I light a fire in my yard and it burns down Ruben's field, so let's say it was a grain field, Sanchaya, for the grain that was destroyed. Let's say in the field, Ruben had, he, 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 had, he had hidden there a couple of bars of gold. I don't even mean, let's say, dug into the ground. I mean, like, he went ahead and he put some gold in his, in his, in his field and he covered it. He covered it with a sackcloth to make it uh, blend into the ground. I am not chayyeh for the gold that was lost. Right? I'm not chayyeh for the gold that was lost. Or he did it with utensils. That's called tamun. Tamun means any damage that was done to something that was hidden or obscured from view. I am putter when it comes to ish. Now, why that is, we'll discuss later on. But for now, let's just take it as a fact. So the Gemara says like this. Rav says like this. Rav said, Abayi had the following question. Right? It's interesting. It's not my question. It's Abayi's question. Right? We'll see why he does that later on. So ultimately, again, Rav said, Rav said, Abayi had the following question. According to the Mandam who says, Isho Mishim Chitzav, if you hold that what? That your Ish is your Koach. So Tamon Be'ish Tepater Achman Eichim Mishkach Asla. So we'll say, where are you ever going to have a case of Tamon? Where do you come up with the case where you'll be part from the Look at Rashi. Hechi mishkachasla. Elo adam zorik chetz. Vehezik betamun. Lo mechayiv benezek. Hakaimbalon vahai pirkin. Petsa tachas petsa. Lechayiv es ashoge kemezit. So vaonis kiratson. Supposed to listen to this. If I were to go ahead and take an arrow. Take an arrow. And shoot it into Ruvain's field. And let's say Ruvain had a utensil that was hidden underneath a, 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 a sackcloth. So I'm just using sackcloth because it blends into the, to the ground. Right? And then what? And I, so it was hidden and the arrow broke the utensil. Am I chayiv for that breakage? Am I chayiv for that damage? Of course. Because I will say there's no pitur of tamil, there's no pitur of something being hidden when you damage something directly. So that's only a particular, there's only a particular pitur by ish. So now ask the Gemara the following. According to Rabbi, who says, Isha Mishim Chitzav, which means that fire is my arrow, so how will you ever be potter for Tamun? Right? I will say again, if you hold that my Ish is my arrow, that means Ish essentially is direct damage. If Ish is direct damage, I should be hired for everything the fire damages, the stuff that's visible and the stuff that's not visible as well. To which the Gemara says, oh, I'll give you the case. Kigon Shinafla, Dleikala Osechatzer, Venafla Gedr Shlomach Mastaleikah, 
We'll say, listen to this case. Let's say I go ahead, I light a fire in my yard. And then what happens? The wall falls down. The wall falls down in my yard. But the wall falls down, nothing to do with the fire. Right? The wall falls down because of some unexpected occurrence. And as a result, what happens? The fire gets out. The fire gets out and then burns down something hidden in Ruvain's field. That'll be a case where I'll be potter from Tamun. Why I say, listen to this. Because when I kindle the fire, what kind of fire did I kindle? What kind of fire did I kindle? I kindle a fire that was capable of being contained in my property. Extenuating circumstances occurred beyond the scope of my abilities and the fire. Wall fell down, fire spread. Everyone will agree, suggest the Gemara, that's what? That fire is no longer my arrow. Why? Because my arrow, when I shot my arrow, it was contained to a particular area. When the wall falls down and the fire gets out, it might be my ox, it might be my, it's my mama, and it might be my ox, but the mice, again, it's not my arrow. Therefore, that will be a case where I will be putter on anything that is tamun, anything that is hidden in Ruben's field. But ask the Gemara one second, why stop at tamun? But that's not true just by tamun. Why don't they say the following? In this, if this is the case they're talking about, where I went ahead and what? Where I went ahead and I lit my fire in my field. And there was a wall. And the fire was contained. And then extinguishing these circumstances occurred that what? That caused the wall to come down. And now the fire spreads. So I say, I should be put on everything. Why? Because that fire is no longer my arrow for any purposes. Not just for Tamun. But even for the property that's, that's, that's seen, that's revealed. Look at the Yomar, I will say. Remember again, the case over here is my field is, has a wall around it. Therefore, at the time that I shot my arrow, at the time I shot my arrow, ultimately, again, my arrow was not capable of moving any further. So because of that, so because of that, I shouldn't be high for anything. To which the Yom will say a startling revelation. Wow. So what it says the Gemara, up until now we were looking at this as a machlokes. In reality, it's not a complete machlokes. Rabbi Yochanan, who says, Isho Mishum Chitzav, agrees with Reish Lakish that of course Ish is my mamon also. But rather Rabbi Yochanan comes along and says, not only is Ish my mamon, but under certain circumstances, Aish could mamish even be my chetz. Aish could also be my arrow. Aish could also be my koach. So essentially what the Gemara now is saying is Rabbi Yochanan is building on Reish Lakish, not arguing on Reish Lakish. Not only is Aish my mama, but under certain circumstances, it could even be my chetz. Look at Rashi, Rabbi What's the practical ramification? Of Rabbi Yochanan Shita now, that he holds that Ish is both Chetz and, or I should say, both Mamon and Chetz. Therefore, says Rashi, the Hecha, the Leka, Mishum Chitzav. Therefore, I will say, even in a case where I'm not Chayiv in my fire, meaning the fire is not my arrow, even in that case, the Ika, Mishum Mamono. And I will say, in that, and I still have the ability to go ahead and be Mechayiv Mishum Mamono. Mechayivin Alei, Hilchach, Leinyan Giloy, Afagab, Dikalo, Chitzav. So what comes out over here, therefore, according to Rabbi Yochanan, even in a case where Lemaisa, the fire, can't operate as my chetz, ultimately I'll still be chayim for my mom. And therefore, I will say, let's bring this back to this case. Therefore, in this particular situation where what? 
in this particular situation where, again, I lit the fire, the field was encircled, and therefore when I let the, lit the fire, the fire was contained. The wall then comes down after the fire was lit for some unavoidable circumstance. The fire gets out and damages Ruvain's field. That can't be my chait. That, that, that's not my arrow. Why is that not my arrow? Because when I shot my arrow, I know that my arrow was defined to a particular area. But yet, that's still going to be called what? That's still going to be called my mamon. That's still going to be called my ox. That's still going to be called my property. It's not my, it's not my chait. It's not my arrow. It's not my koach. But it's still my property. Therefore, when that fire gets out and burns down Ruvain's field... I will be higher for all the damage it does, but I will be popped or I will be exempt for any damage that's done to Tamun, any damage that's done to anything that is hidden. Okigon, Shahayo Lola Godra, I'm sorry, Okigon, so we'll say now the Gemara goes on. So, and now I'll just give you an example. Where could it be that my ish is like my mamon and not like my chits? Kigon, Shahayo Lola Godra, Velo Godra. So we'll say the keys could be where what? Or ultimately, yes, I lit the fire, the wall was up. Then what happened? Then what happened? The wall fell down. But before the fire spread, I had the ability to go ahead and repair the wall, rebuild the wall, and contain the fire. But what? But I didn't. But I didn't. Look at Rashi. Because in a case like that, even though I might not be liable ultimately for the first act of kindling, but I will be chayef for what? I will be chayef for the fact that I did not take proper precautions when going ahead and containing the fire. Because we'll say at that moment, so remember now, at this point in time, remember, we'll say let's trace the case. I lit the fire, when I lit the fire, and I, the, the wall was up. So, when the, so remember, the fire starts out as my chait, it's my arrow. But the good news in this case is what? Is that the chait, the arrow is contained to what? Contained to what? Contained to, to my property, to the walled area. Then after the fire is lit, the wall falls down. Okay? Not my fault, not because of the fire. I had time to repair the wall. I should have done that. I didn't do it. Now what happens? So now the fire continues out of my field, goes into Ruvain's field. Suppose say, that's no longer chitzav, that's no longer my chit, that's not my arrow, because my arrow was contained to the arrow when the wall was up. But what is that? That's my mamon. That's my mamon. The Yomar says, that's the equivalent to leaving, to leaving the hasam shorahu, that fire is like my shar, and I forgot to close the stable door in front of my shar. So we'll say, if I forget to close the stable door in front of my shar, and my shar gets out, I am higher for the damage the shar does. So so too over here, I, let the, I lit the fire, the wall fell down, I had the opportunity to go and repair the fire, to repair the wall, I didn't do so, fire gets out and damages, I'm responsible for that. But not, it's not my chait, it's not my arrow, but rather it's my axe that I didn't close the stable door in front of it, and therefore again I'm chayy for damages. The chib- I'm sorry? No, no, because remember, this will be, Aish is going to be Nezek Shalim. It's not, it's not like Shor, like Karen. It's, gonna, it's like my Shor, and then it's like my Mamo. But it's, ne- it's Aish, and therefore it's going to be Nezek Shalim. V'chim ne'achar demandi isle mishum chetziav, I'm sorry, chitzav, isle mishum amona. So we'll say, now that we've established that even if you hold Isho mishum chitzav, like Rabbi Yochanan, that your Aish is your fire, he also agrees that Isho mishum mamono, it's also my Mamon. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, um, So what is the practical difference now 
So now essentially, Rabbi Yochanan also holds like Reish Lakish. So if that's the case again, so Lemay Nafkimina, what are they really arguing about? To which so I'll tell you, Lechaybo Ba'arbod Dvarim. So we'll say the Nafkimina will be whether or not Yechayif in the four categories of damage. Look at Rashi. Lechaybo B'dal Dvarim. Lemandar Mishum Chitzav. According to the opinion who says that when you're chayef for your ish, you're also chayef, meaning it's your arrow. Nami mechayef and saraf isho yad adam chayef ba'arbad varim nezek tsar ripoi v'sheves. So we'll say because if you hold that the ish is your is your chayef, if you hold that the ish ultimately is your arrow, so not only are you chayef for damage is done, right, but you're also chayef again for the other categories of damage when you damage someone. With your body, meaning if I damage the say someone directly, it's not just damages I pay, but rather again, there's nezek. Nezek is damages. Sar is suffering, pain and suffering. Ripui, hospital bills, sheves, lost wages. So we'll say if you hold ishom mishum mamono, I'm not chayyeh for all of those damages when I pay when I damage someone. If you hold ishom mishum chitzav, that ultimately again that the ish is my arrow, then I'm chayyeh for all of these categories of damages. Rashi just points out about say that the one damage that's missing from this list is boshes. Normally, one of the categories of damages you pay for is humiliation. That is missing from this list. Why, says Rashi? Because you're only chayef to pay boshes when you intentionally damage someone. But when there is no intent to damage, there is no obligation for, for payment for humiliation. So therefore, I both say, even though the mice at the end of the day, Rabbi Yochanan holds like Reish Lakish, that Isham Isham Amono, he just also happens to hold additionally that Isham Isham Chitzav, the major nafkamin will be that if through your age you damage someone's person, you damage someone physically, according to Rabbi Yochanan holds Isham Isham Chitzav, you're higher for all the categories of damages, and according to Reish Lakish, you will not be. Says the Gemara, let's go weiter, Allah Harab Mishan, so let's remember again, the Mishnah said that in the case of the dog that took the biscuit, that had the coal on it, then ate the biscuit and put the biscuit down on the pile of straw and burned down the pile of straw. So for the biscuit, the, the, you have to pay Nezek Shalim. Right? For the biscuit, because again, we're assuming that's what? We're assuming that that is an act of shame. Birushus Hanizak in the domain of the damaged party, and therefore he paid Nezek Shalim. So the man by the way, when we say he has to pay, who is he? Right? Who, who has to pay? So the Gemara says, Bal Kelev. Right? It's the owner of the dog who has to pay. If my dog ate the biscuit, I have to pay. I don't understand. Why don't we make the owner of the coal responsible as well? Because after all, what? After all, he went ahead and left his coal out, and the dog was able to go ahead and eat the coal. Right? So the Gemara says, why? No, no, no. Because the case is where the owner of the coal properly secured his coal, and the dog got in there anyway. So the Gemara says, So let's say, I don't understand. If he secured the coal, then how, how does the dog get it? Right? Meaning, if he secured it, then how did the dog get the coal? Oh, What's the case of Osai? Where the dog burrowed underneath the door. So, so Ruben locked up the coal, right, in the right way. But the dog burrowed underneath the, underneath the door in order to get the coal. So, what you see from here is what? Is apparently, again, it is normal, it is normal to go for a dog to go ahead and burrow underneath a door. Look at Rashi. Zosomeres. So the fact ultimately again that's what that we allowed 
that we make the owner of the gachelas, excuse me, we make the owner of the dog, pay, remember we'll say, the case over here is where, let's call it this, Ruven is, Ruven is baking a, a biscuit on coals. The dog gets the biscuit, takes the biscuit, takes the biscuit, and eats the biscuit, and places the coal down on a pile of straw. So Yechayiv Nezek Shalim, the owner of the dog is Chayiv Nezek Shalim, ultimately, again, for the consumption of the biscuit. That's an act of shame. Says the Gemara, I understand, if he's high for the biscuit, so what about the call? Meaning, isn't there some level of responsibility that the owner of the biscuit slash call, remember, it's the same guy, ultimately allowed for the dog to get in there. So why isn't there some liability on his part? To which the Gemara says, because the owner of the coal slash biscuit locked the door. He locked the door. Meaning he went ahead and he took the proper precautions to secure his food and ultimately to secure his coal. By which the Gemara says, so what happened? The dog borrowed. So the Gemara says, what do you see from here? You see from here that Lamaisa again, that it is normal for a dog to borrow underneath the door in order to get food. Now why does the Gemara have to say that? Because if it was abnormal, then what? Then it's Karen. Right? If it, was, if it would be abnormal for a dog to burrow underneath a door in order to get the biscuits or in order to get the coal, the mice would be Mishuna. If it's Mishuna, it's Karen Tam. And if it's Karen Tam, you're Chayef Chazi Nezek. But the fact that you have to pay Nezek Shalim for the biscuit tells us that the mice, again, this is considered to be a normative act. So the Gemara says, Heicha. Heicha. So the Gemara says, Heicha. Where, 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 excuse me, da'ach la'heicha, where is the dog eating the biscuit? So, so we'll say, if he's just going to stam haystack, in other words, someone else, let's say, let's say, again, we'll say, it's Ruvain's biscuit coal, Shimon's dog, and the dog goes to eat or goes to put down the biscuit and the coal on what? On Levi's haystack. So if you say that, if you say that, so how about We'll say that won't work. Why? Because remember, an animal is only chayef for shein when if it's beer b'steacher. If the damage is done in the field of the damaged party. So if if ultimately the biscuit is being consumed and the coal is being put down in another person's field, we'll call him Levi, someone else. Then Lamaisa, why would the balakelev? Why would Reuven, the owner of the dog, be chayef? To which the Gemara says, the Achla begadish to Bal Kharara. No, I will say, what's the case? It's actually interesting. It must be the following. It must be that Ruvain's dog, Ruvain's dog, took Shimon's biscuit and coal and put the coal down on Shimon's pile of straw. So therefore, again, the biscuit is being consumed and the straw is being destroyed where? In the Rishus of the Nizak. Ultimately, again, in the Rishus, in the property of the damaged party. To which the says, by the way, Tishot, we can learn out from here, the Pipara, that the mouth of a cow, Kechatzer HaNizak Dami. So this is actually very interesting. It must be that the mouth of an animal has the status of the Chatzer in which the animal is standing. And we'll say, now just understand this for just a moment, it's actually quite interesting. So let's say my animal is standing in Ruben's field. So whose Rishus is the mouth of the animal? So it must be that the mouth of the animal is considered to be the rishus of the nizak, of the damaged party. Now, let's just play this out. Why? So listen to this. Remember, so I keep on changing the names. Let me not do that. Ruvain's dog, Ruvain's dog goes ahead and burrows underneath the door, gets Shimon's biscuit and coal, takes the, takes the biscuit and coal out, goes ahead, eats the biscuit, puts down the coal and destroys the pile of straw. So we know now that for the biscuit, what's the owner's, what's Ruvain's liability? Nezek Shalim. Why? Because it's Shane Bershus Hanizak. It's an act of shame, which is when the animal damages through pleasurable activity in the domain of the damaged party. The emergency says, by the way, you see from here 
that the mouth of the animal is not considered to be like Reuven, like the owner's Rishos, but rather must be what? Like the damaged party, like Shimon's Rishos, Swarabosai, because if that's not the case, the E Kechatzer Hamazik Dami, because we'll say if the mouth of an animal is considered to be like the domain of the, of the damaging party, then listen to this, Leimalei, let Reuven say to Shimon, my boy Riftach Bepuma Dekalboi. What is your bread doing in my dog's mouth? That was right. That was say. So the mice again. Remember again. If if the if the mouth of the animal like the rishus of the mazik, like the rishus ultimately of the damager, then the damager could say, "Listen, the only reason you got yourself into trouble is because you allowed your biscuit to come into my dog's mouth. Your biscuit, in fact, is trespassing. Your biscuit does not belong in my chutzpah. It does not belong in my animal's mouth. Therefore, the mice again get it out. And if I if my animal ate it, the liability is yours." The Gemara says, it's clear that we can't entertain such a possibility. The Gemara says, from the beginning we know what, what, the, what the halacha is, but we have to entertain the possibility. So remember, there are two different ways you can look at the mouth of the animal. Is the mouth of the animal the Rishos Hamazik? Is it the domain of the mazik, or ultimately is it the domain of the nizak? Interestingly enough, as much as the animal is the property of the mazik, the mouth must have the status of rishus hanizak as the domain of the damaged party, because otherwise, I both said any damager could always have a claim against the damaged party, saying you brought this upon yourself by essentially trespassing <coughs> into the mouth of my animal. Rather, it must be that the mouth has the status of the rishus hanizak. Therefore, you're going to be chayiv ultimately when the animal consumes the biscuit. Or does any other damage? So the Gemara says, listen to this. We're not finished. So the Gemara says, Listen to this. Because we asked this question. So we actually asked this question. Is the mouth of a cow, is the mouth of the cow considered to be like the chatzar of the nizak? Like the property of the damaged party, or like the property of the damager. And if you say that the mouth of the cow is like the chatzar of the mazik, so you'll never have a case of shame. Why would you never have a case of shame? Because remember, in order to do shame, what do you need? Damage has to happen. In the rishus of the nizak, in the rishus of the damaged party. If the mouth of the animal is the rishus of the mazik, then by definition, whenever the animal eats someone else's stuff, that consumption, I will say again, I might be chai for what I ate, the animal will be chai for what it's ate, but don't be chai for shame, because that property isn't, that damage is not happening in the rishus of the nizak, that damage is happening in the rishus of the mazik. No, no, you can still come up with the case of shame. How so? The tin for So most of the case could be where what? Where the animal, for example, went ahead and scratched itself. Scratched itself against the wall. So the animal had an itch, it scratched itself against the wall, knocked down the wall. So we'll say that'll be a case of shame. In other words, the Gemara's answering is, you're right. What you have to come up, a case of shame, can't have to do with consumption. It'll have to do with other acts that the animal does with its body. That'll be the case of shame Because you're right, if you hold that the mouth of the animal is the rishus of the mazik, is the domain of the damager, then by definition, you're right, any act of consumption can satisfy the criteria of shame. But you can come up with a case where the animal scratches itself against the wall, knocks down the wall. Or the tin faperos. 
say what happens? The animal rolls around. Again, in order to scratch itself, it rolls around on fruit and destroys the fruit. So maske. So we'll say those will be acts of shame, even if you hold that the mouth of the animal is rishos hamazik, is like the domain of the damager, you could still come up with acts of shame, but they're non-consumption related acts. Maskif Lamarzutra, Swazutra is the Kasha, Vahaba Inon, Kasha Yivaragala Tumo, Atumo, Prabhupada, remember again, when the Pasik describes the act of Shane, it describes it by saying, Kasha Yivar Hagalal, as the tooth destroys at Tumo, until there is nothing left. So the Pasik describes the act of Shane as an act of consumption. Veleka, suppose you're telling me now, if you hold that the mouth of an animal is like the Rishus of the Mazik, then in essence, there's never a case of shame that involves consumption. Ravina, Ravina said, no, I'll tell you the case. The shaft salmi. But also the case could be where the animal rubs itself against the wall to scratch an itch. Or to an itch, a scratch, whatever, whichever, right? To, 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 to comfort itself. And what happens? There are murals or paintings on the wall. And by the animal rubbing itself against the wall, the animal rubs out the murals, rubs out the paintings. So we'll say that's a case of because the animal is obliterating something. With its mouth, but obliterating something with his body. Ravashi says it could be a case where what? Where ultimately, again, when it, when it rolls on the fruit, again, to comfort itself, it what? It smashes the fruit into the ground in a way that the fruit are no longer consumable. So you can have cases of shame where the animal just totally destroys the item. Tashma, supposed to say another braisa, shisa ba'as ha'kelev, shisa ba'as ha'nachash pater. Supposed to say, listen to this. Again, we're, we're, st- we're still continuing with this idea. See, if you incite a dog, or you incite, you incite a, a, um, a snake, pater. And then the dog goes on to do damage, or the snake goes on to do damage, you're pater. So the Gemara says, man pater, who's pater? Remember, we'll say, there are two people here. There's who? There's the owner, there's the owner, and there's the, there's the inciter. So when we say that if the dog is incited or the snake is incited, he's potter, who's the he? The owner is incited or the mishasa, ultimately the inciter is, is potter. So the Gemara says, mishasa potter, the chayev balkelev. The insider is potter, the insider is potter, but ultimately what? The owner is chayev. Now listen to this. Now Rashi says over here, potter mishasa, de grama benizakin potter. Because we'll say, remember again, and we'll get into this more, but you are potter on cause, causative damages. You're potter for causation when it comes to damages. I'm only chayev for direct damage, but if I cause damage to a crowd, I'm not chayev for that. Now, obviously, we'll have to define the scope of that because many of the things we've seen already have been causative in nature. But the idea is if I incite the animal, the animal goes and bites someone, I'm not chayev. Now, the owner of the animal is chayev. Why? Why? Because we'll say, if I am an animal owner, I am responsible to keep my animal literally and figuratively on a short leash. Right? I'm obligated to, to make sure my animal does not damage. And if I don't do that, even though it's a result of someone else inciting it, I, the owner of the animal, am chayiv. Now watch this. If you hold that, the mouth of the animal has the status of the domain of the damaging party. Watch this. My boy yadach bepuma de cowboy. say, listen to this. So if you hold that the mouth of the animal like the rishos of the mazik, so when, when Ruben goes and incites my dog, and my dog then goes and bites Shimon, so Shimon comes to me and says, your dog bit me, you owe me money. I say to him, I say to him, no, what are you doing? Why did you trespass inside the mouth of my dog? Right? What is your hand, what is your hand doing in the rishos of my dog? And I will say that to us, that sounds a bit strange, but the idea halachically what the Gemara is saying is that if the mouth of the dog 
gives the rishus of the mazik, then in reality, if your hand finds itself in my dog's mouth, then at the end of the day, you are trespassing upon my property. So the Gemara says, no, 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 Ema Potter af mishasa. Rather, perhaps the Gemara actually means is in this kind of case, even the mishasa is potter. In other words, not only is the owner of the dog or the owner of the snake potter, but even the Mishasa is Pater, even the insider is Pater. So I will say, ultimately, again, the way we pass it in this case is that the owner of the drug, the owner of the snake, will be Chayiv. <laughs> the Mishasa, the insider, is Pater. Because even though, again, by inciting you rob the animal up, that's Grama Benazikin, that's ultimately causation, and therefore you're going to be Pater. The owner of the animal is obligated to watch over his animal, make sure his animal doesn't do any damage, and therefore will be Chayiv for damages. Vibais, another possibility is Da'afke Linive Visarte. But the other possibility is we could talk about a case where what? Where the dog, the dog, um, literally, afkin and nive are fangs. I don't know, does the dog have fangs? Sharp, sharper, sharper, the dog, the dog, incisors. The dog bears its fangs. So we'll say, so what's the chap over here with this? The Gemara tried to come up with a case where the dog could inflict the wound without, without the hand coming into the mouth. So if the dog bears its, its fangs, its incisors, and let's say, and drags that against, the flesh of Shimon's hand. So in that case, the hand's not coming into the dog's mouth, but the mice of the dog is inflicting damage. That might be a case where everyone would agree that also, even if you hold that the mouth of the animals, the rishos of the mazik, if the hand of Shimon never enters into my dog's mouth, but rather the dog inflicts damage like that, but again, bottom line, the way we pass it in that case is the owner of the dog is chayiv, or the snake is chayiv. The mishas of the insider is not. Tashma. I'm sorry. Correct. It's not Shane. It's not Shane. It's 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 Karen. It's it's it's, it's so again. It's just an act of damage. Correct. It's not a Shane case. Not a Shane case. But remember, this idea that the mouth of the animal could be like Rishus Hamazik is independent of Shane or regular or anything else. It's just stam- it's looking at defining that makom. What is the makom of the mouth? Is it Rishus Hamazik or Rishus Hanisak? And that definition will then go across the board. Tashma. There was another case. It's not a fascinating case. Look at Rashi. Listen to this case. Reuven takes a snake. Reuven takes a snake. Opens up the mouth of the snake. Causes the fangs. Good. Incisors, fangs. Okay, good. So wonderful. Right, right. Exposes, exposes the fangs of the snake. Brings the snake over to Shimon's hand, and essentially stabs Shimon with the snake. Right. Puts, puts the snake's teeth into Shimon's hand. Shimon dies as a result of the poisonous snake bite. Okay, so what happens? So Tashma, his Now the Shaila is because you know what the Shaila is going to be here. Who killed Shimon? Who killed Shimon? Was it the snake who killed Shimon? Or was it me who killed Shimon? So watch this. So, not me, Reuven. So the Gemara says, <laughs> Rabbi Huda Mechaev. Rabbi Huda says that Reuven is Chayev for this act. Right? And we say Chayev, she says Misa. Reuven is liable to a death penalty because Reuven is viewed as a murderer. So, so Rabbi Huda says he's Chayev. Say, you're Potter in this case. So watch this. Says the Gemara, let's analyze this. So according to Rabbi Huda, you have to say, Aras Nachash Ben Shinafu Omid. It must be able to say that. What according to Rabbi Huda, the venom of snake is already present in the fangs. Meaning the venom is already there. Therefore, Lefichach Makish Besayif 
Binachash Pater. So we'll say, essentially, the snake is like a loaded gun. And therefore, again, I, when, when, when Reuben goes ahead and puts that into Shimon's hand, he's pulling the trigger, this, meaning the venom is already ready to go, and ultimately, again, the snake is just a vehicle. The snake, the venom is there, the snake is the sword, the snake is the gun, and therefore, Reuben, who put the snake into Shimon's hand, who plunged the, the, the fangs into Shimon's hand, it's going to be Chayiv Misa. On the other hand, Levichach Makish Besayif, Makish Abosai, is the one who administered the snake bite. Right? Is the one who brought the snake ultimately over to, to Ruvain, who brought it over to Shimon, is going to be Chayiv. The Nachash Pater. But ultimately, again, Abosai, the Nachash, so to speak, has no liability here. However, according to the rabbis, Aras Nachash Me'atzmo Maki. It's not the way it works. The venom is not automatically available in the, in the fangs, but rather what? The nachash generates it. What that means, Rabbi say is that the moment that Reuben goes ahead and puts the snake's teeth into Shimon's hand, the snake itself, the snake itself creates a process by which it injects the venom. The venom's not there, but the snake itself now, so to speak, chooses to inject the venom into Shimon. L'fichach, nachash b'skila, Umakish Pater. Therefore, I will say it is the Nachash, so to speak, that is high of death. Again, the Gemara is trying to point out over here the idea being that it's the Nachash who's viewed as killing Shimon and not Ruvain who brought the snake over. I'm sorry, it'll be Grama when it's eaten, correct. So the Gemara says, Now, if you hold that, the mouth of an animal is considered to be like the Rishus of its own or like the Rishus of the Mazik. So, my boy yadach be pumad dechibai. So let him say, what is your, what is your, what is your hand doing in my mouth, snake's mouth? So now when Shimon dies, when Shimon dies, and based in ultimately again, or let's even if he doesn't have it, there are damages. So why can't the owner of the snake simply say, my snake's mouth is my rishos. What was your hand doing in my snake's mouth? To which the Gemara says, one second. So it's at the end of the day, when it comes, so it's like, we're going to get into now a different halacha, which is that when an animal kills someone else, an animal, that animal is put to death. So the Maisa, when it comes to putting the animal to death, if it killed someone else, we don't, we don't advance this argument of what was your hand doing in my animal's mouth. If someone died as a result of the animal, we will go ahead and kill the animal. So the Gemara says, where do we know that from? Let's listen to this case. Ruvain enters into Shimon's Rishos without, without Ruvain's, without Shimon's Rishos. So Ruvain trespasses onto Shimon's Rishos. And what happens? And ultimately, again, Shimon, who's the owner of the field, Shimon's field, Shim, excuse me, Shimon's ox, gores Ruvain. Umes, and Ruvain dies. So what's Talacha? Hashar Biskila, the Shar is put to death. Ubailim Piturim Menakofer. But the owner of the animal is potter from any kind of restitution. So the Gemara says, Bailim Piturim Menakofer, my time. So we'll say, why, are the owner, why is the owner of the animal potter from any type of restitution? The Amarle Birshusi, my boys. Because We'll say, Ruvain, Ruvain went into Shimon's field, gets, gets gored by Shimon's ox, and Nebuch dies. Shimon's not high for anything. Why? Why? Because Ruvain trespassed. Right? Because Ruvain had no right, ultimately, to be there. And if Ruvain had no right to be there, then Lamaisa, again, Ruvain can't sue for damages when he is there. Rather, what? When it comes we'll say, to matters of death, rather, we see over here that when, when an animal ultimately causes the death of another, then the mice, again, the owner of that animal is responsible for, is responsible for, excuse me, I'm sorry, when, when, 
When an animal kills someone else, even if you want to say that Lamaisa, there's no liability on the part of the animal for damages caused, nevertheless, such an animal is automatically executed. A security dog. So, okay, well, we'll have to, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss, we'll discuss some of the applications. But we'll say, so again, so, what's up? So now, so now we'll say, so now understand the following. So, Lamaisa, when we stop, we'll stop over here for today. We're going to pick up with this Sugim Yertashem tomorrow, but understand what we're, what we're ending off with over here. So, first of all, just a little bit of closure. Let's go back for a moment. In the Machlokis of Yochanan and Rish Lakish, about Isha Mishum Chetzav, Isha Mishum Mamono, the Shukhan Arach Paskins, that we hold like Rish Lakish, that Isha Mishum Mamono, that ultimately, again, my fire is like my ox. Therefore, again, when gauging what I'm responsible for in the realm of damages, so Lamaisa, again, I am Chayib, ultimately, again, for any for any damage done by my fire, as I would be by my ox. That's number one. Next, now that's, so that I just wanted to close out that previous sugya. Now we'll say, now what we're entering in is to a different type of discussion, which is Lamaisa Grama Benazikin. So when it comes to Grama Benazikin, it appears that Lamaisa, again, Lamaisa, I'm not going to be high for causation when it comes to, when it comes to damages done. Therefore, in the case where I rile up the dog, rile up the snake, I, the mishasa, the, the riler upper, I am not the instigator. I am not going to be high for that, but ultimately the owner of the animal will. Now, Blasei, the Gemara is introducing us to a different discussion, which is a fundamental machlokis, is the mouth of the animal. Is the mouth of the animal considered to be like the rishos of the nizak? or the Rishos of the Mazik. The Gemara seems to say over and over and over that it has to be the Rishos of the Nizak. Why? Because it will say, if you hold that the mouth of an animal is like the Rishos of the Mazik, then what? What, eff- what effectively occurs? There's never liability for damages. Because then any time somebody gets damaged with the mouth of my animal, either when they get damaged again on their body, or, th- or their money gets damaged, I always have a simple claim went out, which is... What was your hand, or what was your food, or what was your property doing in the mouth of my animal? Therefore, the Gemara seems to say that position is simply untenable, because you have no then chiv and nezikin. Therefore, it must be that for halachic purposes, even though the animal itself is considered to be the property of the mazik, the property of the damager, the mouth of the animal seems to have the designation of the rishus of the nizak, of the property of the damaged party. And therefore, again, when the animal eats the food of someone else, that, and the animal standing in the rishus of the nizak, that is considered to be ultimately like property, excuse me, damaged, shame done on the rishus of the nizak, and therefore there'll be absolute liability. So we'll say, we'll stop over here. We're not finished yet. Meaning, tomorrow we're going to start off with, a, I would urge you, I would urge you to, to get here early. 540, just because you, you, you don't, you don't want to miss this piece, Mrs. Sharm, and this piece also, because we'll say next we're going to speak about, before the Mishnah, the obligation to, wh- who has the obligation to protect from damages? Do I have the obligation? Does the owner of the damaging force have the obligation? That I'm going to be continued tomorrow. Well, because, no, because it's my animal. So every